0: Welcome to Inaudible. My name is Jeremy Weiland, and I'm joined by my co-host, Nithin Reddy. On this podcast, we discuss the weird, beautiful channeled messages found in the archives of organizations like LL Research, Circle R, and others. The archives contain transcripts of messages from allegedly discarnate sources who articulate a philosophy of spiritual evolution. If you would like an audio version of the transcripts, please subscribe to Ryan Masterson's podcast, Living Love and Light available on all platforms. Nithin and I will try to provide an analysis and commentary on the philosophy described in these messages, identifying the common themes, and grappling with the application of this information to our human lives. Thanks for joining us on this journey. And Nithin, my friend, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, my Saturday is off to a good start. And uh, yeah, got some stuff going on later on today. I think there's like a neighborhood concert going on. So I'm going to check that out. My buddy who usually does uh, D and D on Saturdays is like, Hey, I'm free today actually. So I might hang out with him and uh, I'm really excited for uh, tomorrow because uh, in my work with the industrial workers of the world, uh, the labor union that I uh, work with, uh, we've been trying to help out Starbucks workers in our neck of the woods organize. And so far they've had six, uh, successful votes to unionize and Bernie Sanders is coming and, uh, hosting, I guess he's appearing at a, uh, like basically like a big thing called unity fest where like all the Starbucks workers are getting together at a venue and there's going to be bands and there's going to be Bernie Sanders and all sorts of stuff. So it's going to be a, uh, really fun weekend, I think. And, uh, this is a great way to kick it off.
1: Awesome, awesome. Gotta feel the burn. Uh, I, I, on the other hand, am doing absolutely nothing except, I guess, still recovering from, uh, I guess, a bachelor party in Vegas last weekend. My first post-COVID, I guess, kind of party, although maybe it wasn't so post-COVID based on a lot of the test results <laughs> that my friends got in the past week. <laughs> so yeah, just recovering.
0: I, I, as, as we've talked about before, I, I had uh, a sickness like two weeks ago where I still have a cough that's lingering and like, I, I got a negative test result, but you know, who the hell knows, right? Like, yeah, it's, it, it just sure. seems like, it just seems to me like if we're, whatever we do in terms of, of a society to deal with a thing like a pandemic we either all do it or we don't, nobody does it. Right. Like if, if, if people do it individually, it just kind of doesn't matter. So like the fact that they have kind of said, Hey, everybody take your masks off and go back to life as normal means no matter how much you want to protect yourself, like it's kind of game on now. Right. Pretty much. Yeah. So it, it sucks for those of us who are immunocompromised or who have other issues. I do think that this is a little bit premature for the, Biden administration to be doing, but at the end of the day, I don't have any control over that. So uh, let's well move, said. so well let's said. move on to the things over <laughs> which we might exercise a modicum of control, right? Yeah. And uh, w- would you like to talk about um, the topic that you had suggested for us to discuss?
1: Absolutely. So the topic that I, I think we're going to get into today is about how best to be service to others when the other uh, can be in a very different uh, path or a very similar path. Right. Right. And we, with my, I guess, chosen career and I guess my just, um, personality in life, I'm very drawn to maybe people and places and situations where the energy is very distorted. Um, right. I work in the criminal justice system, so it often comes up to me personally, uh, How best to be of service, you know, in a variety of situations with a variety of people who are at a variety of understandings, levels, interests, when it comes to this sort of um, kind of, I guess, spiritual understandings. Uh, A lot of times, right, people are dealing with significant issues in their lives. And if the Confederation material and if my personal life experience is to be believed, uh, a lot of times those significant issues are really um, related to you know, spiritual lessons at, at work or the potential, uh, potential spiritual lessons at play. And so that's why I wanted to kind of delve into um, just the variety of ways we can be of service. And the Ra and, and Com- the Confederation have a variety of, of quotations on that. But it's also something that I feel like my personal life experience has uh, also informed me of.
0: Yeah, I, I think we all deal with this situation where we have a philosophy uh-huh where we seek to be of service. And if, and if we've uh, you know meditated on it and, and studied the Confederation's message or any number of philosophies that are out there, I mean, the law of one is not the only one that's useful in this regard. Uh, we find that we have to square our striving, our seeking with a world full of people who are not on the same wavelength as we are. That's, the, the, the Confederation tells us that that's part of the challenge That we chose in coming to this planet. And so I think the first thing that we might uh, establish is that regardless of how that works out for us, how that teaches us, how that frustrates us, how that inspires us, the different ways that we might choose to uh, achieve a balance on that. It is all good. It is all grist for the mill. And it is all something that... uh, is supposed to be a novel situation to help us achieve a balance that we currently do not have. I mean, the first thing to, to talk about is the ways in which other people are catalysts, right? The way that they serve their behavior uh, triggers things in us. I think, I think we, there's a lot of, you know, Tumblr 2013-esque talk about triggering people, but I think that's actually a really good model for the way that uh, catalyst works, is that catalyst triggers things in ourselves that are unbalanced, other people, their behavior uh, interacts with our vibration in a certain way, and that causes an emotional response sometimes that then we have to square, we have to balance in order for us to ever be of service in a way where we are drawing upon spirit instead of simply reacting, right? Is, is that kind of like, Is that, do you think that's a good place to start?
1: Yeah, I, I think that's like actually a wonderful place to start because I was... Thinking along the exact same lines, even before you mention that, in that um, there, there's a quote quotation on this, and maybe you have it. It's about that. Ultimately, we're not here to fix things; we're here to to love it. But you can still fix things while loving it. It just it's almost the idea that you know you can um, show show people the, the 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 path, or you know bring basically you can be there to help people and you might actually help. Hopefully you will help some people, but don't have the expectation of being able to always help people, right? That's kind of like a bonus of just kind of being here and radiating love. Right. And Ra also has quotations on this in that they admit that they have a distortion towards teaching and also learning about the law of one, but they kind of say it in such a way that they understand that they should have no expectations that the other will uh, be able to learn from them, right? It's something that they want to do. They want to be able to help by teaching and and, and helping people. But ultimately, at a certain level, you know, if you have that expectation that you you are going to be able to help someone, I think that's where the the catalyst kicks in, right? And it's very natural to feel like, you know, I have – you might know you've been through something very similar to what the other person's experiencing and you know you have the potential to help and to share in in your wisdom or whatever hard-fought lesson you have uh, learned in your own life. But, you know, if you have the expectation that they will be willing to listen to you and they end up not listening to you, you become very disappointed. And this is... You know, this is something that we talk about, you know, you and I, right now in the abstract. But I will tell you, I still struggle with it. I know that it's it's not healthy to have these expectations, but sometimes you still get caught up because you just you just so you want you want them to be free of that pain because you were in that pain, right? Mm-hmm. And you see the potential for them, and then when it just doesn't happen, you're like, oh man, you know. So uh, it's it can be very catalytic, very catalytic.
0: And there's so many different flavors of it. Right. Like uh, for me personally, like it's easy for me to accept that people don't want my service in an interpersonal situation. I feel like I deal with that natively pretty well. And and that, that, that confers no honor on me because it just is the way that I was built. So, but where I do really run into it is when I feel like there's a larger organization involved. And so that person's lack of understanding is impacting not just me but other people and it's being you know it's being exaggerated and magnified through the organization so what i'm talking about is politics right it's the political aspect of it that really gets me i see so much power there and so it it sucks to to watch people fritter power away or use it ill especially when you know them well and you know that they don't mean to do that you know but at the same Mm -hmm. time their lessons are their lessons They're not our lessons. Um, And uh, if we let our own inability to accept the free will of others make us do things that infringe, then that's our responsibility. And also, that's our lesson, right?
1: Yeah. And it's having that expectation and having that catalyst, it can actually if you're not careful on the way you approach these situations, it can actually throw you off your path, right? If you infringe upon free will. And Ra talks about how there were some positive wanderers that came to Venus and they had the goal prior to incarnation, just really uh, helping people polarize positively. But when they incarnate, they were so fixed upon that mission with the expectation that they wanted it so badly that they'd end up manifesting in such a way. Uh, and of course, it seemed like there was some sort of veil at (laughs) play that uh, they end up forcing their methods on on others. Right. And they ended up uh, um, polarizing negatively and causing holy war. Right. And they were very surprised after they ended the incarnation that they had graduated to fourth density negative. So it's uh, it, the desire to help people and help others and serve others can sometimes very easily, or at least in some cases, very easily, turn into a desire to control other people, right? For their own benefit. And uh, at least in your mind, (laughs) and that can be a very dangerous thing. So it's very important to, uh, maybe not dangerous is the right word, but it can be a very, um, it can be a a way that will actually make your own path longer, right? And more filled with catalyst.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think this is a great time to maybe uh, delve into that Quo uh, quote that you mentioned because I do think it really applies here, specifically with respect to wanderers. Right? How do wanderers deal with the fact that they have incarnated to an environment that, regardless of you know their choice of it, still gives them some sort of discomfort? And it's so easy to mistake our discomfort with a situation for a sense of wrongness with the situation, where it goes from it's creating a feeling in me too and that means it's wrong right right so the the excerpt that i want to read that includes that quote that you had mentioned is july 31st <laughs> july 31st 2007 and i'll just i hope that this is enough context because i don't want to you know spend all day reading out of here but i think this is a good place to to do it so here we go this is kuo What wanderers usually do not realize is that that which is so obvious and easy from the other side of the veil is impossible to read and difficult to bear within the thick veiling of the third density of earth with its free will and its extremely thick veil. The danger always is that the wanderer will not wake up, or if it is is partially awake, that it will awaken only to complain that it is not comfortable, that it wants to go home, that it must leave this place that is so polluted and dirty. To those who feel these things, we would suggest that it is precisely because this planet is so in need of higher vibrations that you came to serve at this time to help lighten the vibrations of planet earth. And you could not do this without incarnating and becoming one of the tribe of humankind. Your love was so great that you took that step And now you have awakened, and you know how difficult a step it was to take. We encourage you to take hold of the honor and the duty of being a wanderer. That which you know of the higher planes, that which you remember in a dim or not so dim way, bring into your heart and let it bless the environment that you see before you, just as it is. You are not here to clean it up. You are not here to make it right. You are not here to fix it. For all of the outer world is an illusion. You are here to love it. Take the world into your arms and embrace it. This is how you came to serve. This is your glory and your crown. Wear it well and rejoice in being here. Ah, that's such a great, that is such a great excerpt. It's,
1: it's such a great, great excerpt.
0: For, for, for me, especially as somebody who's been uh, galvanized by political interests for so long this took a lot of time to contemplate because what what is the project <laughs> if it's not to fix it what is the project right. if it's not to make it right somehow and the and the point is is that uh, let me speculate i think that the goal is it's kind of like channeling it's kind of like the 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 whole template of being an instrument where you connect with your inner self you connect with the creator and then you leave it to them to fix things either through you or through somebody else but you don't focus on your ego taking mobilizing the feeling of unrightness of wrongness of you know pollution or oh this is this is this has been corrupted or something like that you don't take that feeling and then react to it you respond by connecting to your deepest self. And then maybe you're part of the solution. Maybe you are laying the foundation for somebody else to bring the solution or for the person themselves to realize their error. Like, it's not on you to affect, like you said, a, a specific situation, a specific outcome, because then that builds up expectations that frustrate.
1: Yeah, the way I th- I think about it these days is that it's... um it's, it's a paradox that you see in other contexts in that in a certain sense, um, you know, cause, and, and, and the, this excerpt talks about this, a way of fixing it is by being at peace and accepting and understanding and having faith in not fixing it. Mm-hmm. And that paradoxically will create the energy and this, and or help create the energy in the situation such that it will be fixed. Yeah. And, and, and that paradox, I also see, at least in my, I don't know how much support there is in the raw material. There is one quote on this, but it's a paradox. I also see when raw talks about how you can have self healing. I think raw's quote is something like, um, healing occurs when the, uh, the mind, body, spirit complex realizes deep, uh, realizes deep within itself that it's already whole. So it's almost like the healing occurs when you realize you don't um, necessarily need healing because you're already whole. And it's like a, it's a, it's a paradox, right? Yeah. And that's how I view this as, as well yeah, in, in a I, certain sense.
0: I think it's a really good uh, rubric through which to view it. Um, like maybe another way that I have tried to uh, provide a mental construct to myself that helps me take that energy into my practice is to say that the the brokenness and the fixedness, the illness and the healing are only separated by this construct of linear time. They're actually yes. part of the same thing. We're just looking at a certain part of it. And what does the Confederation always ask us to do? To zoom out, to see the bigger perspective, to see the connectedness, to see how the hurt and the healing are part of the same fabric. They're part of the same thing. And so if we can touch into the love that unites those two events across time, then we can partake of that timeless, infinite perspective. And we can not react. We cannot just lash out or um, have an emotional response to something that doesn't partake of our greater awareness, that greater perspective.
1: Absolutely. You know, the clarity uh, the of any concept, they're interlinked, right? So yeah. I, I would absolutely agree with that. And also, I find that at least, I think there's also something energetically at play, because I've seen this in, in, in situations where, and, well, let me take a step back. There's discussion in the Confederation material about how the energy of, of uh, society and that energy of others ...can affect the energetic configuration of an individual. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they talk about a specific... Ra talks about specifically that even though Earth is now fourth density, positive as a planet, the societal overlay is third density consciousness. And that overlays and basically has um, affected many people on this planet.
0: Yeah.
1: More so than perhaps the actual planetary energies themselves. Yeah. On a smaller scale, I've noticed that sometimes when you just hold space for having love and compassion even in a messed up situation that you might be observing and you're not directly for whatever reason, maybe maybe you don't you don't know this situation that you're observing, right? When the criminal justice system you're often in court whatever and you're waiting for some you're waiting for another case to finish and you're not involved in this case, so you're observing, but you'll notice the energies involved, right? And sometimes just holding that space within yourself, I find that sometimes if there's the potential for resonance or a small resonance already present in someone else, it kind of builds upon it. Um, So there's maybe almost like an energetic aspect of it that, that builds upon itself. And maybe it's related to the squaring concept that raw talks about to a certain extent, but there's something about the energy in and of itself, which, I don't know if you want to put energy in the active category or passive category, but it seems from our physical perspective as something more passive as something that can have a real impact on uh, the situation.
0: I think it's great. Uh, So I've talked in past episodes about this, uh, this capacity to bring different models, different lenses, different like, like mental constructs into things that we experience so that we can look at them from different perspectives that seem maybe like they are contradictory, but they're actually, they are actually help us tap into the deeper thing that the construct, the lens, the philosophy is only designed to help us see, right? Like the law of one is not about learning the law of one words, right? It's about tapping right. into that deeper truth. And in the same way, like I think that a vibrational... Rubric for understanding our emotions and how they interface with others, uh, other individuals, and the society at large can help us square some of the things that occur to us that the psychic, that the, the model of the psyche, that psychology, for instance, uh, offers, doesn't always uh, uh, explain so well. And it's not really about finding a concrete single explanation it's about finding different ways to use our minds to bring spirit and our deeper selves in the manifestation. Any, here's, here's the kicker, I think, is that anything that helps us do that, anything that helps us tap into that deeper truth on a level that doesn't need to be proven, that is our truest self, and that is beyond proof and beyond certification to ourselves, uh, that is what, that's a good thing to use to bring in. Um, so I think that you're right, that in holding space for other people, we, we can tap into a vibrational way of understanding the dynamics that are going on, and then that can help us uh, instead not try to, like, defend ourselves, right? Like, there is no defense from vibrations, right? Like, vibrations are. They resonate through things. They either interact with us or they don't. There is no defense mechanism per se. You have to balance it. And I think that is one of the virtues of the vibrational energetic model is that it shows us that our agency is not in counteracting things so much as feeling them, accepting them, and then adding to the chord that those notes are creating, right? Absolutely.
1: I love, uh, I love your mu- musical analogies of adding to the chord, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the note is creating beautiful
0: yeah, and I, I really love the, uh, the point that you were making about the idea of holding space for those who are in turmoil. Because often when we see people who are suffering or who bring some sort of uh, energy or emotion to a situation that we find disturbing, we find uh, discomforting in some way, uh, it's so easy to withdraw And I think it is part of our animal heritage, our second density heritage to do precisely that. And, uh, you know, everything, everything, uh, withdraws from threat and discomfort, uh, in nature. Like it is built into the homeostasis of the, of the, of, of the organism, right. To seek for stability and to avoid things that jar and, and dislocate. And so, when we uh, accept willingly and freely, to absorb that, that comes from a place of great strength. That is something that is not easily learned and accepted in the self. In fact, I think we need to recognize that that willingness to accept discomfort and stress and anger and all these emotions, even when they don't come from within us, is walking the path of adepthood, because it's recognizing the self in others. The fact that I am bothered by your vibration means that I have that in me, and it's not just that it means that I have it in me. It's calling to some imbalance in me.
1: Sorry if I bothered you, Jeremy. Man, I, I didn't mean what I said yesterday. Just, just so you know, dude. <laughs> but uh, uh, so one, one, one. Um... We'll
0: talk about it later. <laughs> we'll talk'll right. we'll,
1: we'll have a little fist fight afterwards um so <laughs> one thing that um, and it, and it's interesting in that this this concept of holding space it's um it's very much something where it's exactly what you said I recognize the the self right in others and it's and it's almost like when I have gone through my own um Trials, and I recognize the, the the way I dealt with emotions and then how how I was um maybe how I was initially dealing with emotions in a very poor manner mm-hmm. in my own trials, and then how I learned to uh deal with it in a better way and then from that lesson holding space so for example, one thing that I notice a lot of people do, including myself, is that whenever I feel a, an uncomfortable emotion, especially in the past. Hopefully, less so now. Is that I immediately try to label it, and if it's a bad, if I if I label it as a bad or not helpful emotion, almost like there's an innate um, desire to suppress it, right? Mm-hmm. And look, look, I I am a full believer in uh, feeling emotions fully. However, I will say I will caveat that. Look, if you're in a if you're in a work situation where you just have to do something, especially if it's mission critical, look, put put your emotions to the side, but. But revisit them, I would say, revisit them later in the day. But barring those situations, I'm talking about a more deep-seated um, kind of desire never to feel those negative emotions, right? Yeah. At, at any point, not, not that you're super busy right now and you can't, you can't take the time. I'm talking about you just don't want to feel it. And on top of that, what makes that um, suppression or desire to suppress negative emotion even stronger is when there's another conflicting emotion that's also present. So you have two seemingly conflicting emotions and you decide, you know what, I'm going to um, suppress one of them, right? Yeah. So what I often find and I try to hold space for in the courtroom is and I'll often see this, you know, when there's like a sentencing taking place of where someone's someone is being sentenced and the victim and the defendant are usually related, right? So, you know, domestic violence, uh, other other sorts of cases between involving family members. And you'll often see both the defendant and the victim having these conflicting emotions. And I just try to hold space for the idea of just like, it's okay to have, to both love and hate that, the other person, right? And that, yeah. You don't have to label it, and you can just feel it. And it almost feels like that is, at least to me personally, energetically, when I'm able to to, feel, to approach my own conflicting emotions about a, a strongly catalytic situation that way, it feels like I'm, I'm letting the energy move through me. I'm being a more perfect vessel for these emotions. And that's the space that I bring from my personal experience into other, when I recognize the situation... Occurring outwardly, I don't say anything. I don't like make eye contact. Yeah. I'm just like just sitting quietly, right? And I and I feel like there's a potential that's unlocked if there's even slight resonance in the other self in these situations.
0: Yeah, uh, uh, something that I identify in what you're describing, and you tell me if I'm off the if I'm off the rails here. Um, it's a vulnerability. What we're we're saying when we uh, say that these vibrations impact us and we can't necessarily defend ourselves, the other side of that is to say we're vulnerable to them. And I have found throughout my life that one of the most uh, effective ways to connect with another human being is to show vulnerability, to make it okay to let your guard down. And so in, in, in accepting these emotions and letting them wash over us, let them have their way with us, you know what I mean? We're admitting our vulnerability, and we are admitting the kind of creatures that we are, that we aren't separate, that, that the separation is an illusion, and that ultimately we're all going to get each other through this. There's another uh, Quo excer- excerpt that I would love to read if, about this, if, if you're okay. okay. Uh, this no, is uh, March 5th, 2000. Uh, This is a session where uh, they had just before this point that I'm reading had gone through the energy centers and talked about um, the ways in which uh, uh, criticism can impact a person. Right. So this is one of the ways that we hurt each other is by uh, pointing out things that we don't approve or that, you know, the person doesn't approve about themselves. Right. And that causes hurt. And uh, so they're going through the energy system, talking about the different dynamics here. I don't think that's really uh, useful but uh, for, for what we're talking about right here. But let me jump in. Okay, so this is Kuo. We took the time to go through these energy centers and to look at some of the, shall we say, high points of each center. Because this is a system which you can work with in many different ways. It helps to know how you are made. Any mechanism which is having difficulties remains broken until someone who knows how it is supposed to work can take it and work on it. Your metaphysical beings are such creatures. They do have a rhyme and a reason. They can indeed be drained of energy. And there are things that you can do to mend these broken pieces. I'm sorry, to mend, these, to mend those broken places. But until you grasp how your energy works, it is not so easy to sit down and begin to do the repairs. When you have gone through the processes of balancing and forgiveness, then you are once again at peace and at rest, feeling relatively safe in your own skin. However, you remain vulnerable. And this vulnerability is very, very important. It is central to the earth experience. We would like to frame this vulnerability in a more positive way. For each of you become, each of you before incarnation was extremely eager to come into the earth plane and to offer the life experience as a service and gift to the one infinite creator. From a position before the dropping of the veil of forgetting, you could see that you had an opportunity in the darkness of the earth plane to live by faith. You knew that a life in faith, outside of incarnation, was very easy to achieve because you, like all other entities not in incarnation, were totally aware of the plan of the one infinite creator, of the beauty of that plan, of the goodness of the adventure of attempting in a world where it was not at all obvious that love abides, that it would help your polarity tremendously to come into this darkness and to express a life lived in faith. It looked easier by far before incarnation than it does now. We are sure that this is an understatement for each of you. It does not look easy at all from within incarnation to deal with difficult people and situations, challenges that seem to rob you of energy. However, all of these difficulties, all of these ways of moving beyond your ability to cope are moments of great opportunity. For when you are beyond your ability to cope, you still have one choice to make, despair or hope, giving up or digging in, saying, I'm finished, or saying, I have just begun. You are entities of great power. Again and again, your outer experience will seem to rob you of that power. Again and again, there will be the level upon which this is accurate. There will be the level at which you have lost power and underlying this level of apparent experience is a faculty called faith. It lies like a floor that you must believe is there before you can feel it underfoot. It is in times when you are helpless and hopeless and at the end of your human strength, that faith will help you soar and fly far above all restraints and limitations. Faith is something that picked up weighs nothing, but planted yields everything. It is in the air about you. It is in the heart within you. It is in the remembering of the mind that is disciplined to reject hopelessness. So you have good work to do when Catalyst overcomes you. I'll cut it off there because man, I just want to keep reading that. <laughs>
1: Dude, that, that, that's intense. I don't think I've heard that that excerpt. And uh yeah, yeah, man, you just lit up my like throat and third eye just by yeah. reading it, so that was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I mean, it also hits hits very close to home, you know, so
0: Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. there. Um, this faith is something that we need to uh, talk about. If we're going to talk about how to deal with the indeterminate nature of human encounters. Some of them will be positive. Some of them will be negative. All of them are human. All of them are the creator. And therefore, what is the overarching principle that we're going to bring that, 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 that applies to all these situations, right? That doesn't require us to judge and to slice and dice the human condition into the parts that are good and the parts that are bad. We can only do that from some sort of grounding. And yeah. I like the way that they talk about faith. as this grounding. It's the place where we start.
1: Yeah. And in my, in my own uh, uh, journey, I've really found that um, faith is actually very, very grounding. Right. And it's, yeah. it's such an important, it's such an important thing. I, I I'm not, I definitely am not a master of, <laughs> of faith by any means, but uh, every day. And it's, it just, the importance can't be underestimated. And yeah. and and this is where I think the daily practice is so important. Is that I think many of us, most of us, probably all of us, we 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 are shown signs to help increase our faith, or at least uh, one of their messages or, or or outcomes of these signs is to increase our faith. But unless we've been doing the daily practice and we're more in tune with the subtler. Aspects of reality, we don't necessarily notice these things. Our daily stresses overwhelms our ability to often overwhelms our ability to notice these things. But man, I, I can't tell you just being sensitive and just being able to be aware in the present moment and to notice those those small signs that when you look at them, they're not so small after all. And they just they just build your faith, and you know the it's a, it's like a cornerstone. And Ra talks about this in 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 a different uh, aspect of the uh, the choice of choosing the positive polarity, and that you know it's a constant choice. And every single time you uh, practice that choice, the first uh, choice builds upon the second and the third. But I feel that 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 play that that is also true for faith. It builds upon itself.
0: The thing that I was thinking when you were speaking. Uh that really occurred to me. Um, It's kind of like, uh, you know, Jim McCarty has talked about this and it really resonated with me. Uh, You ever find yourself thinking about a difficult situation, a difficult interaction that you are uh, uh, dreading having you know coming up or you know it's in potential and you find yourself engaged in an imaginary conversation with that other person thinking about the ways that you are going to prevail, thinking about the ways that you're going to handle this uh, to come out on top. Uh, I think about that in terms of defense, about how like uh, if you are into martial arts and self-defense, you're not trying to look for opportunities to exercise this, but you want to be prepared, right? You want to be prepared right. to defend yourself. To me, what you were talking about was using that kind of energy, but from a faith perspective. You are practicing faith on a regular basis, not because you necessarily know you're going to need it today or tomorrow or any other time, but so you can be ready. And this is very much uh, what I think life is like, at least for me, where I don't know what's going to happen. When things come at me that trigger an emotional response that is negative, they are almost always the things that I'm not prepared for. They're not things that I have uh, prepared a defense for. And that's precisely why they strike so deeply into my heart. In doing a daily meditation practice and in connecting with that uh, deeper level of myself, I affirm that uh, no matter what happens, no matter how badly I react to it, you know, how, how, however badly I, I mess up, um, I'm coming from a place where I know that all is well and that therefore I can learn from it. That it's not something that's going to uh, destroy me. That, it, that I am, I have my, it's kind of like what Carla used to say, you know, if I live, I live in Christ. If I die, I, li- I, I die in Christ. So no matter whether I live or die, I'm in Christ. And I feel that, that that's a very good statement of faith because it shows, it puts the emphasis on what's important instead of putting the emphasis on the details that detract from our awareness of that unified nature of what we experience.
1: Yes, and I'm still learning about faith. And I think one thing that made um, maybe building my faith initially more difficult is um, maybe the misconception I had that was a a similar misconception I had with the concept of acceptance. And I I think Mm. we've probably talked about this at least that my definition of acceptance is kind of your emotional, um, your your emotional relationship to something, and it is, it does not at all necessarily correlate with an action you are taking or not taking. Like, yeah, acceptance doesn't mean inaction or action. It it just it's just how you emotionally relate to it. Are you now, going to face reality,
0: or are you right. going to like create a, a mind? explanation that right. that that makes it good or bad right
1: right and so like you can I, I think sometimes at least in everyday lay terms people often associate acceptance with inaction and that is passivity. not necessarily true yeah it's yeah. not ne- at all related to passivity it in it, it maybe in certain situations it can be but it, it really has no correlation or relationship uh you can like i often view it is that i accept and love uh, everyone, including those who, you know, uh, maybe have done horrible things and are getting locked up. It's, it's, you, just because you forgive, accept, and understand a person who is convicted of murder doesn't mean you still won't lock them up. Now, maybe in certain circumstances, you might decide to, you know, make an exception to the rules, but I'm, I'm just saying it's not related. In my opinion, those concepts aren't related to taking action, right? Yeah. Um, and the thing that I think I was struggling with faith is there was, I guess, a belief in me that um, maybe there there is that faith is also related to inaction. But the, I'm discovering more and more it's, it's not. It's more like a trust in the situation such that you don't have to worry about it. Um, but just because you're not worrying about something doesn't mean you're not going to still maybe do something about it, right? Or yeah. not do something about it. So... That's something I still struggle with because I think a lot of the times when you have faith, once you actually recognize not you don't need to worry about something and to have faith in whatever outcome, it can lead to um, a, a change in how you approach a situation,
0: right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I just, uh, I was immediately when you were talking about this in the context of a court situation and how on the one hand we have a legal system that prescribes outcomes for certain actions, consequences for actions. But on the other hand, the more, uh, spiritual and unified nature of things gives us full agency to decide how to respond to things. Right? So I see it very interesting in how you square those two things. Uh, because they, they, they often might, f- I could totally see how they might often feel like they conflict even for you as you're, as you're looking at these cases that come before you. Um, I, I, there's, a, there's, a, there's a Ra quote, um, session 83, question 14, um, where they, they kind of discuss this. Uh, Ra says, it is, necessary, it is a necessary balance to the intention of law, which is to protect, that the result would encompass an equal distortion towards imprisonment. Therefore, we may say that your supposition is correct. This is not to denigrate those who in green and blue ray energy sought to free a peaceable people from the bonds of chaos, but only to point out the inevitable consequences of codification of response. Which does not recognize the uniqueness of each and every situation within your experience. So, when we apprehend a situation and come to a, an emotional and spiritual way of thinking about it and, sent, and and seeding it in our experience, in our in our in our analysis and our understanding of things, we have perfect freedom to do that however we want. That has nothing to do with the out outworkings of the legal system or any of the other sort of rule based systems that prescribe if X, then Y in our society. I mean, we do live in a society that in some ways kind of functions like a machine just running on its own logic, running on its own uh, 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 series of, 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 of action, response, action, response, and The idea is not that we are supposed to get into that necessarily and fix it or change it or anything, but like you were saying, this is why I found it so powerful, to hold the space for all the emotions, all the energies that come out of that, so that even in the wake of this kind of harsh, mechanistic outworking of things, uh, we we can attempt to balance, we can find the love in the situation and bring that to bear if we can get our you know, egos out of the way about it, right?
1: Exactly. And I'm going to look up another quote here about um, basically very similar to holding space. Cool. About, um, and you may be, you're you're probably familiar with this. It's, um, I think Rod talks about how when there's a lot of uh, negative polarization that the mere virtue of negative polarization uh, spread across a lot of people serves as almost a black hole to someone who might not normally be negatively polarizing, right? So the so we're we're talking about holding space in the positive sense, but it seems like this is a concept that's also at play in the reverse. So it it just it, it, it underlies perhaps the importance of the um the unseen energies at play, right?
0: Yes, the creative way that our energies interplay with things. Right. Yeah, you're, are you talking about uh, the part in the material where they discuss Carla possibly being displaced yeah. into negative time space?
1: Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. Um, and I guess for those who, uh, I, I don't know if I can find the, the quote right now. Um, you might be better at, at uh, finding this. But basically, it's um, it's a brief quote where, um, I think I think they follow up, um, I guess Carla had a, a potential situation where they're concerned that she, I guess, would be displaced into uh, a negative density because of the trance channeling she does where she basically her her uh, mind and spirit would, would be outside of the body. Um, and they followed up on well, what would happen if that actually occurred. And Ra talks about, well, she would be in. I think fourth density negative. And even though she's obviously very, very positive, right. Sixth density wanderer um, that because of the way fourth density negative works uh, and she'd be surrounded by negative polarity, it'd be like a black hole. And that she would, uh, the only way to progress would be basically to uh, go negative for a while <laughs> until, until you, you made it back up to, I think sixth density, they said, which actually brings us to, I think another point that I wanted to, to mention in that how do you serve what is the appropriate service when you're in contact with someone who um you're pretty confident is is polarizing negatively right and uh, at this point they probably um if if you're asking this question there's probably some interaction where they want something from you right or they're making a request from you uh, of you and you know raw talks about this in um basically let's bring it up uh so this is a 67.11 uh consider if you will that you have no ability not to serve the creator since all is the creator in your individual growth patterns appear the basic third density choice further there are overlaid memories of the positive polarizations of your home density. Thus, your particular orientation is strongly polarized towards service to others and has attained wisdom as well as compassion. You do, not have, uh, you do not have merely two opposite requests for service. You will find an infinite array of contradictory requests for information or lack of information from this source if you listen carefully to those voices you may hear. And let, Just skipping down to the, the main aspect where they talk about this, could you then serve a negative entity By offering this instrument's life. And I guess in this case, there is a negative entity who wanted to end (laughs) Carla. Um, And Ra goes on to say, it is unlikely that you would find this a true service. Thus you may see in many cases the love being balanced, the in many cases the loving balance being achieved, the love being offered, light being sent, and the service of the service to self-oriented entity gratefully acknowledged while being rejected as not being useful in your journey at this time. Thus, you serve the one creator without paradox. And really, I just see Ra as saying is, you you set boundaries and you realize you're on different paths. And you don't necessarily, um, I guess, operate from a need of defending yourself. More of a recognition that they are just on a different path and that true service wouldn't be giving into what they wanted.
0: You know? Yeah. There, there's a, there's a uh, excerpt that we read a couple of episodes ago where they talk about the difference between right and wrong and what's mine and not mine. What I see being uh, laid out here is that this is a situation where instead of saying like your service to self and evil, therefore I must resist you. You're saying that's not my path. Now, the interesting thing about this excerpt that I just that just occurred to me is that it, it implies that our service um, is something that we are putting out there as a creative expression of ourselves. Like, it's one thing to give another person what they ask for, but then we have to make the decision to actually give it, and, and it's not enough that you know. When another asks for our service, or when another uh, is in a situation where it seems our service is requested, uh, we often don't have enough information about that request, about that need, about that desire to give them exactly the thing that they have in mind as being service. I mean, this is why Rod talks about that the best way to serve others is to put yourself in their shoes, right? But that's still an imaginative act. That's still a creative act that we are engaged in. And it's not clear exactly whether we get that quote-unquote right or not. So the other aspect of this is that we have to offer from the deepest part of ourselves for it to be the greatest service, and then if that service is rejected, uh, it, is the, it is the role of the adept, of the person who is uh, walking that path and wanting to serve more and more adequately, more and more truly to the creator, uh, to, to take a rejection of their service in exactly the same spirit of generosity as you would take the acceptance of the service, right? If somebody yes. rejects my service is not useful to them, they have done me a service. Yes, I learn from that. And that was something that we actually uh, discovered in a session uh, we did at the at last summer's Channeling Intensive where in a session on service, Litos was talking about, hey, even when your service goes awry, that teaches you. If you leave that out of your learning, if you just say, oh, well, that service didn't work, like, I'm just going to disregard it. No, 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 no. Like that's part. Of what makes it okay to live from the heart and to give freely is to know that when it's not accepted, you can also learn from that too.
1: Absolutely, and you know, we're—I think—we're talking about big picture. How you know? We big, always
0: talk big picture on this podcast.
1: <laughs> big picture about <laughs> the the service um, a, an entity can offer is definitely unique to that. It's it's well, it's a, it's an interaction of. It, what the request might be from the other self and also what the, um, the, the, the entity who, who wants are. to serve yeah. who they are. And I think that's very, very important because, you know, I've talked about this in other contexts, like I'm naturally more of an introvert and other people are extroverts. So we could both be interacting with the same party and they might, um, like let's say someone who truly wants to learn more about uh, some concept, where, and this is this is just me artificially creating a contrast here. So maybe Jeremy, you'd be like, hey, let's just you know grab a cup of coffee and just talk about it, right? Whereas I'm like, hey, um, here's a book, <laughs> you know, go, <laughs> you know, and ultimately we're both um, trying to serve the same call for service, but yet we're trying to do it in a way that honors our own.
0: Bingo. Um, self as yes. well,
1: and that's Absolutely. very, very important. That it's not going to be the same exact same. And so this concept of you know holding space, even maybe yes. it's going to be done in different ways, right? Yeah. Um, so it's very important to, to understand that you have to also not only recognize perhaps what is the, what the call for service is, but also what is within you that is uh, able to respond and meet that call.
0: Oh, I I couldn't have said it any better, Nathan. I, this is exactly what I was getting at. That when we talk about service and the propriety of this service or that service or the or, or 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 withholding service or whatever, like we always talk about it from the point of view of like what should we do for that person. But it's a dynamic relationship. We are serving ourselves as well when we serve another, and we're doing it both in that like figurative. Uh, uh, way that 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 partakes of uh, a definition of self that is everybody right but we're also Mm -hmm. doing it in that narrow way that it's something that we are engaged in and to the extent that we made a specific choice to manifest that desire in this particular way we we spun it in some way we gave it a uh we gave it an aspect that is unique to us. And when it, when it goes to that other person, it either is rejected or accepted or somewhere in between, right? Like that will tell us something about ourselves too. And we have served ourselves and served the learning of ourselves just as much as that other person
1: well said well said yeah
0: this is this is really cool. see, this is what I like about this podcast is that I, when I have these conversations, we discover these new places, and i I love the the idea of the listener being able to watch this happen, right to listen to it happen and to like to say like you know this is how this is how humans live this philosophy. It's not by doing things perfectly. It's about having these insights that come from deeply div- digging, into these things and speaking from the heart and from the mind, you know?
1: Absolutely. And, you know, as you can, uh, as a listener and Jeremy, as you're probably well aware at this point, a lot of these, um, realizations come from not just, uh, studying these concepts in meditation, but having the daily practice where you, you see these concepts and hopefully you're trying to put them into practice in your daily life and then evaluating in some way the success or um, or the progress towards putting them into practice in your daily life. Because a lot of these a lot of these things we're talking about, it's like, you know, we've we've tried and we, we've, we failed, but we learn from it. And that informs the next attempt so yeah. that we can get closer to, I guess, what we're hoping to achieve to 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 um, to learn.
0: Yeah, in in the same way that our service to others, by our choice of how to express it, teaches us something about the thoughts and feelings and emotions that went into that choice of expression. It's the same as what you were saying. The ability to apply these principles, we have to make a choice on how that happens. Being in incarnate life in manifestation means that we're trying to take inchoate, overarching, infinite, Ideas that come from our spirit complex. I believe. I believe that principle that abstract uh, moral and ethical principles are kind of like the shadow cast by our spirit complex in our minds. And we try to, you know, I mean, like, look at this country. We have these high ideals. Do, do they do they come into manifestation all the time? Hardly, <laughs> hardly. Um, in the same way, like our deepest beliefs and, and principles we don't always act on them perfectly, but it is precisely by throwing the ball against the backboard that we learn where, like how to make a, how, how to sink a a three pointer, you know, like we need that interaction. We need the, the inflection point of manifestation of bringing spirit down. It seems, uh, into manifestation and then seeing how it plays out. And then we learn from that. Um, otherwise uh, we're not using this experience. And, and so, and, 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 well, I, I shouldn't say otherwise, because we're always learning. Like, this was one thing I wanted to say is like, about our topic that we're talking about, is that how do we deal, when we're walking the path, how do we deal with people who aren't on the path? Well, from one point of view, everybody's on their own path, right? right. Like, everybody is on the path. They may just be on different points on it. Uh, their path may be a slightly different than ours. So we know for sure that no matter how badly we think we mess up, we are serving as a learning opportunity for ourselves and that other that we encounter. And so faith is about how can we dilate our, uh, our consciousness, our awareness, our, our perception of this this thing that seems so fraught in the small picture of the present of of the thing that we're dealing with right now, um, how can we dilate out and see a bigger picture there so that we put the proper emphasis on those discrete decisions to manifest and that we understand that we are doing our best right now. The other self that we are encountering for all that we may judge them for, they're actually doing the best they can right now. And the point is to have, to give spirit, I believe, to give the creator another opportunity to breathe that breath of, 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 of infinity and unity into a situation that seems broken and muddied and dull and fraught.
1: Absolutely. And, and that reminds me of one thing that, um, one raw quote that helped me build um, some self compassion about. I guess sometimes when, when I was on this path, I almost felt obliged, and I, and I didn't listen to myself, that sometimes you feel drained, right? Sometimes you feel oh, like yeah. there, you might recognize that there's some sort of call for, for service, and that you could, you could, could being the operative word, could assist, but for whatever reason doesn't feel like you're drained, it doesn't feel right, there's something about the situation that just, um, you just don't feel like doing it, and there's many variations of this basic fact pattern i guess unfortunately for me (laughs) it It sounds like
0: a sense of duty involved here right right
1: yeah and um one area one specific way this comes up and has come up is sometimes when you have a friend or or someone you know who uh i think we've all had this uh, this friend and and we've all been this friend (laughs) where you have some sort of issue (laughs) or problem and you, you you Whoever whoever has this issue or problem is talking to another person, uh, and is asking for a solution. But uh, and the other person offers a solution, right? And in this scenario, we would we would, you know you and I would get to the root of the issue and offer you know a very um, uh, a very clear sp- spiritual solution. Like ultimately, this is kind of what's at play, right? And this is what I would hope. This is what, this is how to. I mean, at least if it's something basic or something yeah. we've dealt with ourselves, and this I is, get really
0: confused sometimes though. Yeah, you confuse <laughs> me
1: sometimes too. So I know. It's all good. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and you know, here's something you can do to put into practice. But then you know, the, they don't they don't put it into practice, and they come around again um, with that same genuine problem. Maybe it reoccurred. Right, um, and and you and you feel their pain, like they're not, yeah, they're not being misleading you as to their pain. They're clearly in some sort of pain, um, and they ask again, and you kind of go through the same thing again, and then a third, or fourth, a fifth time, uh, maybe in a sh- very short span of time, or it feels like a very short span of time. You know, I thought, like, w- what am I supposed to do? Like, and sometimes, obviously, before we get to the stage where we are like, man, you're kind of fed up, you know, we're all. Uh, nice and creative people. We try many different ways of of explaining things or tr- or, or different solutions, whatever seems like maybe would be um, better situated for their situation, right? But they just seem yeah. like they're not interested in any of it, right? yeah, so there's yeah. there's actually kind of a raw quote that is 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 directly on point. Um, and this is a 60.25 questioner Am I to understand then that the confederation entity, needs communication equipment and craft to communicate with the third-density incarnate entity requesting the information. Ra, I am Ra. This is incorrect. However, many of your peoples request the same basic information in enormous repetition, and for a social memory complex to speak ad infinitum about the need to meditate is a waste of the considerable abilities of such social memory complexes. And there's another talk about... Um, requesting uh, duplicate information, uh, this 60.27, uh, and just cutting mm-hmm. to the end of that. <laughs> Here's the funny part. Uh, please note that as Confederation members, we are speaking for positively oriented entities. We believe the Orion group, which is negative, has precisely the same difficulty. <laughs> Once this basic information is received it is, and is not put into practice in the heart and in the life experience, but instead rattles around, rattles about within the mind complex distortions, as would a building block which has lost its place and simply rolls from side to side uselessly, yet the entity still calls. Therefore, the same basic information is repeated. Ultimately, the entity decides that it is wary of this repetitive information. However, if an entity puts into practice that which is given, it will not find repetition except when needed. So bottom line... I think it's hilarious that both positive and negatives (laughs) have, uh, I guess, people who would wish to learn their paths but uh, aren't willing to put stuff into practice. But bottom line, if someone's not putting into practice um, something that that you feel could genuinely help them, it's okay to be like, you know, it's okay to maybe disengage a little bit. It's okay. And it's understandable.
0: Yeah, um, it's because... Unlike the Confederation, we don't have the ability to take our interaction with that person and to create some sort of robotic answering machine that just spits out the same information over and over. In this life, with this equipment that we have, we have to have enormous patience to say the same thing over and over and over again with no expectation that they will uh, get it this time. That's a lot to expect of a, of a third-density human being, I think. But... One thing that I was thinking about was that it could be, it could be, right, an opportunity to try to exercise some creativity. Okay, so they're not hearing what I'm saying in this way. What other way could I say it? You know, this is dangerous because I find that when I go down this path, I often find the way to say it that really pisses them off, right? (laughs) Like you, you just get a little bit too low in 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 the in the series of illusions that they've built. You, you up, right? always go low, like,
1: man. Always, yeah.
0: When 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 they go low, we go low. <laughs> <laughs> but that's where that is. It's at the foundations where the opportunity to heal most occur. Like right. we it, and like it. So it, it does take patience to deal with someone who is legitimately asking for help and is confused by their own distortions and to slowly help them you're you're helping them do the work on themselves right like that that's that's the thing like uh we need to recognize that we don't really help another entity ross says this we don't help We offer an opportunity, and they do the work or not, whether this is physical healing, whether this is balancing distortions, anything like that. That takes a lot of the pressure off of us. But it also means that it's frustrating when someone we care about won't take it upon themselves to do that. I mean, I think that that's always going to be an aspect of the human condition. Our our respect for another's free will uh, seems often in conflict with their desire to suffer from our point of view, right? <laughs> like, right. like just get over this. But like, if they could, they would. Right. So like, it's important to understand the proper, uh, the, the, the proper role of our agency in service, that it is a creative act that we are doing, but we're not the only thing that's necessary for somebody to heal or to grow or to balance. Like, like, In fact, that's kind of a, isn't that kind of a, like a, um, like a narcissistic idea that like, oh, if we can't solve it for the other person, then they're, then they're lost. So we have to like be there for them. No, 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 no. Most people have lots of resources. And if we can't figure it out, we should not take that hard. If we can't help them, if we can't reflect to them that exact image of the creator and of themselves that helps them untangle this, that is no knock on us. You know, it also is the case that maybe, they, maybe our service to that person in helping them work through their distortions is just something that they need a longer amount of time than we're measuring the the the, the success or failure of our of our right. We like to think of it as like, oh, I'm going to tell you this, and then you're going to have. You know, the cloud, the, the the light break through the clouds and there's going to be a sunbeam on you. Right. And you're going to get your third eye is going to blow up and you're going to look like an Alex Gray painting. <laughs> yeah. Right. But actually, we play. We are just one part of the creator right. through many, many different people interacting with them and teaching them different aspects of this. So it's not a, it's not all about you, dude.
1: Yeah. I mean, and it's it's really <laughs> the long game, right? Like you just might it's the long the, game. You might plant the seed. Um and it's it is very important to to be patient and it, be creative and ultimately just don't you know I've I've noticed for myself don't fall into the trap of having the expectation that you'll see the change right bingo um, and also kind of also related to this and this is more it depends on the culture of the society you're in you can you can give unsolicited advice even if there's a solicitation because you're not really genuinely. tapped into what is being requested and asked. They might just want to be... Some people enjoy their victimhood. Some people enjoy talking about their problems and they might seemingly want a solution but if you're actually listening to more than just their words and you're tapped into kind of the situation and energy of it, they're not looking for an answer. They actually enjoy sharing their problems with others. It gives them a self-identity. Now, I'm not saying you should prejudge people in these categories but if you once you're at a certain stage where you you're more in touch with your own intuition, you'll notice situations yeah. where you're like if you just listen to the, the words and language being used, they're like oh they're asking for help, but then you realize they're really not right. Um, and you often see this, or at least I often see see uh, see this kind of situation with uh, people, uh, basically drug addicts who aren't who haven't hit rock bottom, and they say they want help, but you, you can tell from the actions they're immediately committing. Okay. And also, just their en- kind of energy, and you have to be careful. You don't want to prejudge people. And I, I, I don't. Even if I think that they're not genuine, if they, if they usually ask me, I'll try to provide some sort of help, right, guidance. But I can tell that when I notice these things, I, I don't necessarily try to dig really deep if I don't feel it's a genuine request for aid, you know. And that's fair. It, it's, it's, it's a complicated inner interplay because because sometimes. If you offer up too much, um, if you kind of give them a person a roadmap before they're ready, it'll actually have the reverse effect. Sometimes I've noticed that yeah. they just they don't want because they've heard it before. They ignore it then in the future as well. Right, and it's a, it's a very interesting dynamic, and in that that I think um, that I don't know I've, I've become aware of as a, as, a, as something that can occur.
0: You know, it's um, it's one thing to say that you don't judge this person that is. Distorted in some way that you can recognize. Right. It's another thing to say that. uh, Well, but there has to be some appraisal of the need of the desire for you to be able to give them what they desire. So this is what's really this. This is the this is to me the thing that is so paradoxical about service to others. We are supposed to serve others as they desire, but they don't always tell us what they, des- what they exactly. truly desire. Exactly, <laughs> And so we have to take the whole person into account, the whole entity into account, if we go off of words, which I have a, I have a propensity to do that, because not because uh, that's what I'm good at or, or anything like that, but because that's the most obvious thing. That takes the least amount of interpretation from me, to just take them at their word. And often, I think that is the free will way to engage with someone, to take them at their word, to set aside the things that you might be sensing, and to just take them at their word. Sometimes I think that is the way to, de- to-, to render service. True. Other times, I think you really need to expand into the other, to expand into that part of the creative that the other is showing you, to recognize that it's showing you things that you may or may not like about yourself just as much as it's showing you about the situation that you apprehend. And to recognize that you are going to have to be very intuitive and creative if you are to serve the other as they desire, you're also going to have to have patience for yourself, that you may not get it right. And to know when to uh, abandon <laughs> when to abandon ship, like like doubling down on service that's not requested is not necessarily a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's just going to teach you a very harsh lesson. Right. And right. it might, and it might distort the other more, but you know, like we're all distorting each other. Like th- this, the, the, the downside of the social com- social memory complex raw, the downside, the, the, the weakness is they have such a high minded, uh, articulate, clear view of, of, of the drama of third density that they can often make it seem easier to interact with yeah. as an act than it actually is. It is actually super confusing. It so is. It's confusing for us. It's confusing for them. The confusion just piles upon, you know, upon itself.
1: Agreed. Agreed.
0: Have compassion, like have compassion for yourself first. And like, I think that we start to feel into others needs best when we recognize That the compassion for the self and the compassion for the other arises from the same point. It is actually the same thing. And, like, that is not something that's going to make sense to us mentally all the time. We need to practice meditation in the capacity to think and feel in ways that don't get reflected in our, like, consciously directed thoughts all the time, recognizing there's an aspect of ourself that we bring to bear on situations that isn't about our intellect. It isn't about even our personality, right? It's about something much deeper. The more that we can trust in that and letting go and letting that deeper part of ourselves bring to bear what it feels, uh, the more that uh, we won't have to bear the burden of figuring it out for them. Because that's what it often feels like, to me at least. Okay, well, when you, Jeremy, when you say that it's like a creative act to figure out how to serve, it sounds like you're like uh, being a big brainiac and trying to figure out how to like, you know, dodge their bullets, dodge their distortions and their blind alleys and get to the root. I'm not trying to be Luke Skywalker putting the uh, torpedo right in the uh, ventilation shaft, right? Like I'm trying to offer everything that I have. They select what they want. I feel like when when I'm doing it right, they are deciding what of the service I've made available they want to tap into. And then that's the way that they tell me what they desire. But I have to offer all of it or I don't know whether I have something that they need or not. How do you do that in life? I, I I couldn't say. Like this is what you were just talking about with me <laughs> last night. It's like Jeremy, you got to give people examples of this. Like you can't just talk in the abstract <laughs> all the time. Like because then I'm doing what I just described. Rod doing right? So let me let me let me uh, let me offer an example of this. Um, I had a friend who was having a situation. See, this is the thing. I I, I don't want to give too much detail, but. In a situation where they're dealing with, let's say, uh, a relationship problem. What's the thing that we, our friends come to about us more? Right, and right. Relationship problems. And um, so when they do this, uh, when I'm at my best, when I, when I have seen it connect and spark that thing that both of us are looking for, when he makes a request and I try to fulfill the request, you, you know when you've hit on something. And so I'm trying to tap into those times in my life where I've hit on something. And usually what I do uh, when I'm at my best is that I'll respond immediately with the one thing I see. And then they come back and talk. And usually it's like, well, like, um, it sounds like they're going through a difficult time. And, you know, maybe you shouldn't just take personally all the things that they're saying to you. And then they come back with some, you know, (laughs) usually in that scenario, they'll come back and say, no, it's really hurting me. I can't just do that. Yeah. And. That's completely legit, right? Like, I know that I can't always do it when I'm hurt by my wife. uh, So I can understand that. And so that kind of, one thing I could do is I could say, well, then don't ask me for help, right? Like, why why are you coming to me for help? Like, (laughs) sounds like I don't have what you want. Some people do that. (laughs) Some people do that. Dude, I've done that before. Like, okay, like, move on, dude. But (laughs) when I'm at my best, that bounces back to me. And then it's like, oh, so they're really hurting. So what they need, what I have to offer that they need isn't an analysis of right. the situation going on. What they need is to be uh, comforted. Exactly. I have often found that I try to figure things out for people, but when I comfort them, they figure it out. That's and very it's not, interesting. It's not about me giving them the solution. It's about me making, it, dude, dude I'm, it, the, the, the clouds are parting here. It's holding space for them and giving them the comfort so that they can find it. A lot of times, don't you find that people who are really balanced and connected and radiate in that service to others way, they create an environment that you enter into and suddenly you see yourself more clearly?
1: Yes, ab- absolutely. I, th- I think what you're talking about, I, I absolutely find, uh, uh, find that uh, I've experienced it myself, um, but it's usually... People who are closer friends of mine, uh, and I interact. I ha- interact with a lot of acquaintances and a lot of strangers, and I notice in those situations, um, comforting them <laughs> usually doesn't. I mean, well, then again, I don't know how often I follow up and I'm able to see the results. But I, I the, get the to see the, the other
0: side of comforting is enabling, right? Right.
1: I get. In th- I think when you're when I'm dealing with people who maybe are um, very much would be considered people who are asleep, and there's no judgment, right? Just people who 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 are not necessarily at that stage yet. The the when I comfort them, well, either way, I end up trying to show them, you know, uh, offer a service and show them the deeper maybe patterns at play. But I don't force it because you know you can't really describe deep stuff, deeper patterns to an acquaintance or some stranger easily. So if they're not if, if they're not interested in it early on, I'm like, all right, I'll just comfort you, dude. You know, yeah. Um, But I get the distinct impression that it doesn't really um, help them learn spiritually. But you know what? There's a raw quote on this. And and I think um, you actually marked it down in some of your notes. It's 89.30. Would Ra's attitude towards the same unharvestable entities be different at this nexus than at the time of harvest of third density? Ra, not substantially. To those who wish to sleep, we could only offer those comforts designed for sleeping. Service is only possible to the extent it is requested. We were ready to serve in whatever way we could. This still seems satisfactory as a means of dealing with other selves in third density. It is our feeling that to be each entity which one attempts to serve is to simply is to simplify the grasp of what service is necessary or possible. And I think this is a good quote and it segues into just our lay understanding of compassion if someone's coming to you with an issue and even though you might see the underlying things at play and you can offer up a permanent solution but they're not ready for it just just be there for them right comfort them and that 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 comports with what my understanding of just basic compassion is and it also you know according you know from our our esteemed colleague raw or maybe i should call him a colleague but you know basically that it's That you are also serving those who wish to sleep by just offering them comforts designed for sleeping. That's a part of it. Now, you know, if you or I, I will say this for myself, I definitely get more personal satisfaction if they figure it out. But... That's that's on me. Right. That's my expectation. Right. That's that's all me. So either way, it's just it's about having a heart and just being there as another human being and offer whatever service that they are able to receive.
0: And they also reiterated this thing we talked about. It is our feeling that to be each entity which one attempts to serve is to simplify the grasp of what service is necessary or possible. It's almost an imaginative act, is it not? Yes. We imagine what it's like to be them recognizing that our uh, mental and emotional picture of that other person is colored by our own distortions, right? So we're, so we're recognizing right away that, like, we're dealing with a, a simulacrum. We're not dealing with the real thing. But we use that as a way, hopefully, with compassion to dial in how to serve them, accepting that there may be nothing in our picture of the other self. That provides an opening. But I do think that it was also cool that they said we were ready to serve in whatever way we could. In other words, every single thing we had to offer was on offer. And I think maybe that's where we often struggle is that there are some things we don't want to do. I think of this in terms of people who are in extreme need, like, uh, like the homeless, like there are some, there are some things we're not willing to do. And to the extent that we can imagine ourselves in their shoes and balance our distortions incrementally over time, I think what we do is we expand the resources that we have to offer so that, you know, I don't have to decide not to offer my house to them. Not because it wouldn't help them. Not because they may or may not want it. Well, no, no, no. That's exactly why. Uh, I think that we have to really enter into that person's frame as painful as that can often be and see that actually what they need isn't something that strikes us initially as the thing that they lack, right? Like we think the thing they lack is like material resources, but often it's friendship. Often it's companionship and love and being respected, being seen, you know, by another human being have, you know, that's what a lot of homeless people say is that they feel invisible. They feel like their suffering doesn't matter and that it doesn't matter whether they live or die. And like often just apprehending a person who's in that kind of turmoil and recognizing it and letting it wash over you, right? That vulnerability, that vulnerability to their energy and saying like you're worthy of being apprehended, of being perceived. Uh, This isn't supposed to be commentary on homelessness. It's simply (laughs) the idea that like, when we enter into that frame, uh, we often bring to the table our prejudgment of what the needs are. Whereas if we just open up everything that we have, we might be surprised at what's actually needed.
1: Yeah. I, I love interacting with, with homeless just because I've, I've had to do it so much. Um, but, you know, your, the example you just gave reminded me, it, it brought something to light that I've it's, that I've, uh, I've studied years ago. Um, and it's related to the concept of enabling and that sometimes mm, sometimes yeah. providing comfort so uh, let me take a step back I think would you agree that in your own life you recognize that some of your distortions and the choices you've made because of those distortions lead to a feedback mechanism of specific catalysts occurring because of your choices that now cause you discomfort right right There's like a feedback mechanism, right? Yeah, there is. uh, And what I've noticed is I can see that feedback mechanism. And look, uh, this doesn't come up often. I try not to prejudge. I always try to be very humble. But sometimes the feedback mechanism that I see another person going through is just so abundantly clear. Like it's just so obvious, right? And sometimes these parties, once again, as I said, usually this is in substance abuse situations, and the feedback mechanism at play is so obvious, right? And that and this is related to when I when I said that someone might ask for help, but it's not it's not a it's not genuine in a certain sense. And they ask for assistance, right? And you're like, okay, well, they don't want spiritual help, they just want some comfort. But I've actually felt in some circumstances and that the most loving thing you can do is is to be a, be there for them as a person, but to refuse their overt ask for help because it actually shields them from their own feedback cattle you, you know what i'm saying like it's almost like i feel like i'm enabling them to um to avoid facing what the the consequences of their own actions and i'm not trying to be but mean you, about it it's just like it, yeah it almost feels like if i was to do what they wanted i would then become karmically involved in their lesson yeah. you yes. know
0: I understand that, and th- but like here is the thing. It, this this back to what we were talking about before. You could only make that determination that you just described by apprehending a, a, a larger other self than what they presented to you with their words, right? Like looking into their eyes, like maybe knowing something about their history, like seeing a. a a broader entity than just the, the physical talking entity in front of you. And that's what I think they mean, that you have to, you have, that's an imaginative step. That's a step that requires us to be creative. Yes. So it's not, it's not, those of Ra are not giving us rules to follow. That's, that's maybe the thing that like, people get hung up when they first encounter the law of one is that it seems so open ended and they try to look for these like rigid principles that they can live by because that's what most spiritual systems are about. They're about these rigid principles or religion, I guess, is the, is, is the one that's most like that. No, no, no. This is, this is princ- These are principles that are supposed to, uh, uh, work within you so that you can bring your true self to bear and see another self as they truly are. And then perhaps offer some interaction, some exchange of energy that leaves both of you uh, understanding something new and novel about themselves, the other self, and the creator, right?
1: Yeah. I, I, man, this entire discussion, I feel like there's a lot of concepts that have become more crystallized and that I will need to like process it, you know, later on in meditation. It's good stuff.
0: Same here. Yeah. Yeah. And that, uh, you know, because we have meditation practices, there's a place for this rattling, uh, brick, uh, (laughs) to, to, to to set, to seat itself. Right. Like that, that's, that's exactly how those of raw talk about it. They like, they're like, you know, you can, and I did this for a long time where I just, I read the law of one. I intellectually appreciated it. It resonated, but I, thought of it more as like a philosophy that I like intellectually follow and the more and more that I meditated and let it marinate in me the more I saw that the lessons of 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 the confederation are multi-dimensional and that they have a life that that extends in all three axes and if I only if I'm only focusing on one then I'm not fully appreciating it and then I don't and then it, it leads to some distortion in how I execute on it that that, that it creates that feedback mechanism that you were talking about, right? Um, so the more, like, you don't have to figure out how to serve others. You don't have to figure out how to be creative. You have to become more yourself.
1: Yes. It's a journey of self and that's discovery. walking the path. Yeah.
0: Yep. Well, we're just at we're just about the one hour and thirty minute mark. How are you feeling about where we're at? You wanna you wanna keep going or? I I, wanna, I, I
1: think this is good. We've covered a lot of a uh, lot of. What, what I think I so. Cover. So I,
0: I think we've covered a lot of ground, and didn't it seem like it took like ten minutes, man? <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it's crazy. <laughs> this is this is uh, this is what I I hope the the listeners hear is like. We want we want to talk to the to the listener not as a like uh, a audience member marketed to as a demographic, as a fellow traveler on this path. Where like this is the conversation listener that I would hope to have with you of just sharing our lives uh, and like celebrating when these insights occur because they happen for all of us and it's just it, it, I I have the privilege Nithin has the privilege Ryan has the privilege of capturing it in a recording. That's that's the only difference, right?
1: Yeah, it's just, um, it's just all so beautiful, man.
0: Yeah, it is so beautiful, and I'm so grateful for you joining me, Nathan.
1: Thank you for having me, as always.
0: Yeah, uh, it's really a blessing. I'm so glad that our friendship has been able to uh, blossom out of, uh, you know, going to homecomings and just seeing each other once in a while. Like, now I feel like we talk all the time, and it's super awesome. Yeah,
1: no, man, I'm, I'm so glad we connected. It's, um, it's really been a, 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 an awesome experience.
0: Yeah. And uh, for the listeners edification, uh, Ryan is alive. He's uh, doing great. He's just got a lot of work going on. So we're going to give him some space. Uh, I'll be joining Nithin, I'm sure, on on future episodes. I'm going to try and uh, get Joseph D'Artez back. Uh, There's a topic in particular that I want to talk with him about and pick his big brain. Uh, And I've had intimations that uh, Jade Norby... Uh, one of the other members of the working group uh, is willing to uh, record with me. So we'll get our first female on the podcast. And I am so excited to find out what she would like to talk about. And maybe we could even get some group discussions going on. I mean, that one that I did with Joseph and Ryan was super awesome as well. Um, there's no reason it has to be just a two-way conversation. So uh, listener, I'll keep you posted. Uh, I wish you the very best uh, as we get into the spring here in the Northern Hemisphere. And uh, of course, friends stay in the love and light.